0: Hey everyone, it's James and welcome to the Notorious Banker podcast. 3,160 amazing followers at BankBetterGuy on Twitter. 5,700 more at NotoriousBanker on TikTok. And dozens more at Patreon.com NotoriousBanker. Or for as little as a $1 subscription, you can help me, the Notorious Banker, fight back against big banks for the people. Guys, once again, thank you so very much for your support. I really do appreciate it. And we are coming back from a little mini vacation here. Um, yours truly the notorious banker was in beautiful and sunny and hot las vegas for a couple of nights um, it actually kind of happened on a whim this time last week was not in the cards no pun intended that i was going to go to las vegas um, but my younger brother um, really wanted to go to wwe SummerSlam, and it was one of those bucket list events that i've wanted to go to because i am a huge pro wrestling fan And um, about Wednesday afternoon, it was thrown out there. Hey, do you want to go just for the weekend? Um, We can kind of figure out the rooms and food as we get there. But um, just get yourself a ticket and go hang out in the brand new Allegiant Stadium, home of the um, Las Vegas, formerly Oakland Raiders. And I said, yeah, sure, what the hell, why not? Let's do it. I hadn't been anywhere since the virus started. It was my first time in Vegas in 681 days And you're talking to a man who wrote two books about Las Vegas, who has been to Vegas 32 times since I turned 21 years old. And I really missed it. The sights, the sounds, everything um, is something that I think about all the time. And um, we left Friday morning at 7 o'clock local, got there about 6 o'clock Vegas time. It's a long drive, but it's a very doable drive for people in southern New Mexico and Arizona who want to do it got there we stayed at the glorious Wynn hotel and casino which is an amazing place um via the wind slots app i got to tell you if you are one of those people who likes to gamble um the wind slots app is for you there's no endorsement here but download it you can play some slot machines you don't have to spend any money but you still get that fix and i gotta tell you that's totally replaced my urge to gamble a lot Um, But what you can do for that um, using that app is you can actually earn points towards booking rooms, which is what we did. And we stayed two weekend nights at the Wynn for um, about $60 a person, which was amazing. You couldn't get into that hotel for less than $300 those nights. And um, it's a beautiful room, beautiful bathroom, shower, bathtub, you name it, it was amazing. Um, the event itself was amazing. I was sitting in the nosebleeds. My younger brother was sitting on the floor with his friend. And they actually got the customized um, WWE chairs that they um, create every big event where they want you to basically overpay um, to get this, this commemorative chair. And we got four of them. Some people spent you know $2,000 on a ticket and they just ditched the chair. Well, my brother and his friend were very resourceful. They got the chairs. And um, we lugged four chairs about five miles in the Las Vegas um, busy strip on a Saturday night, which was the most bizarre thing ever. But it adds another to the Vegas um, lore, the Vegas stories that I've had over the years. And I was actually gifted one of those commemorative SummerSlam chairs. And it sits here in my office. Not sure what I'm going to do with it, but I'm glad that I got it. And I'm glad that I attended the event. It was nice to get out there with my brother. It was nice to get out there with friends to an event that they wanted to go to. Um, You may have seen me on Twitter on Saturday posing with a championship belt, a very expensive championship belt that my brother's friend purchased for, I believe, $500. First time I've ever held a real-life belt. So I had to, what they call in the wrestling business, cut a promo. And I did as a notorious banker. And you may have saw that on Twitter. I'll retweet it again because I had a blast doing that. But what's funny enough, this little mini-vacation a couple of days away from Twitter, a couple of days away from the world of banking, I inadvertently ran into what was probably the biggest, quote, banking story uh, of the weekend while at Allegiant Stadium, and it was the fact that the entire payment system went down at Allegiant Stadium. Yes, you know, we talk about technology and how it holds people back, how it's keeping people from banking. Um... Allegiant Stadium in Vegas is the first cashless um, venue, or one of the first cashless stadiums out there, where there's no cash accepted. I saw a little kiosk, like an ATM, where you deposit your money. You get a little, you know, pay-to card, and you actually pay for your food and drink and your merchandise using this little card that they print out for you there. But if you have debit cards or what have you, it's all there. I purchased some things. It looks very tech-forward for a for a stadium. I've seen places where crumpled up dollar bills for hot dogs is the norm. This is the total, you know, antithesis of that. Um, but in the middle of SummerSlam, in the middle of a match, I looked at Darren Ravel's Twitter, which is one of my favorite follows at Darren Ravel, if you're so inclined, and he had posted that the reason why the Wi-Fi started to suck inside Allegiant Stadium wasn't the 50,000 people that were allegedly there. There was a failure in the payment system, and everyone was freaking out behind the scenes. So after this brief promotional consideration, I'm gonna get into the the situation that happened there, my thoughts on it, because as you know, although I am very tech savvy, I have my, my beefs with the process because there are so many people who are left behind whenever everything is cashless. A cashless society is cool for people who are savvy with that, but it's not cool for the people who aren't. And then when it all messes up like it did at Allegiant Stadium, at WWE SummerSlam uh, this past weekend, you can kind of see how it goes to shit. I'll just put it that way. And then the second and final segment of today's podcast, we're going to talk about the OnlyFans decision. Of course, you know I am a big proponent of um, content-based services. The Notorious Banker is one of them, although I don't pose nude, of course. Um, but we've had some OnlyFans uh, content creators on the podcast before And um, I have some very prominent ones that are followers of mine at BankBetterGuy on Twitter. Um, A huge change into the content that is going to be allowed on OnlyFans. um, Basically because OnlyFans cave to pressure within the banking industry. And I want to get into that, you know, kind of, sort of. I don't necessarily want to get into the, you know, the, the, the gaudy details about the, you know, sexual content or anything with that. It's more about the banking. It's more about the fact that, OnlyFans is doing this because they want to raise money, they want to borrow money, they want to deal with banks, and banks didn't want to lend to them because of what was on their website. Well, I can tell you a million different websites that have a million things that I object to, yet they are still um, borrowing money, they are still banking at you know normally, and OnlyFans isn't doing that, but they are punishing the the backbone of the people uh, the backbone of the company the people who built that company from nothing to a billion dollar entity are getting kicked off the site now that only fans is a place where um you know people know the brand name so i'm going to get into that in a little bit but first we'll talk about my SummerSlam experience and the whole cashless crash after we come back so please stick around Hey everyone, it's James, the Notorious Banker, inviting you to join me on Patreon. Yes, it's the second anniversary of Patreon.com slash NotoriousBanker. For as little as a $1 subscription, you can help me, the Notorious Banker, fight back against big banks. Well, how do I do that? I use my brand of Vigilante Customer Service to help people recoup monthly maintenance and overdraft fees, deal with customer service issues such as check-hold releases and fraud claim reversals, and the general customer service malaise that is the big banking industry. Banks like Bank of America, Chase City, and Wells Fargo um, have big bank mindsets, but very small-minded customer service skills. The Notorious Banker fights back against that. With a subscription for as little as $1 a month, you could help me, The Notorious Banker, fight on behalf of the little guy who don't realize that they have a chance to fight back against big banks if given the opportunity. Go to Patreon.com slash banker for more information about me, more information about what I do, and to subscribe today to my Patreon. You'll also get additional podcast and video content, among other things, with that subscription as well. And I thank you so much for contributing, and my customers and my clients, my followers, my listeners, thank you too. All right, and we're back. So I mentioned I was in Vegas on Saturday night, WWE SummerSlam, 51,000 people in attendance for... Um, Probably the second biggest pro wrestling event of the year. WrestleMania is the number one most attended event, and I will probably be there next April in Dallas, Texas for that. I want to get rid of all these bucket listings that I've been wanting to do for a long time. And hell, I spent $42 to go to this event. I spent $200 on a Vegas trip, which is nothing. I saved $200 by just effectively couponing with groceries and all this other stuff that I do, including donating plasma. You know, I was able to sacrifice a couple of things and say, hey, I can hitch a ride to Vegas. I can go to something I want to go to, and I'm going to have a good time. And Vegas was Vegas, man. I ate some great food. I have three horrible blisters on my foot. I think I'm going to lose a toenail. Um, But I had a blast and I have stories to tell, you know, and I have things to remember for the rest of my life. Um, You know, being in a stadium was something that I'm not really comfortable with right now because of COVID and everything. Everyone was required to wear a mask and everyone's bunched up together. So, of course, I'm semi-freaking out about that. But at the same time, I wanted to go to it. So I kind of knew the, you know, what I was signing up for at that point. Uh, the food, they have amazing food options inside the Raiders Stadium. I'll, although I do want to give a review, quick review of the stadium. It just seems very unfinished. You know, I was walking down the hallways and the corridors of this place, and it's humongous. It's a $2 billion stadium right in the middle of Vegas, a place that knows how to build stuff fast and build things amazingly. And there's just, like, exposed vents, and the walls don't look very, you know popping with color and all that stuff so I was just very unimpressed by the by the decor you know there's some couple of things in there that are just amazing but the rest of it just looked like bland gray stadium I just was really disappointed by that Um, the exposed vent work and stuff was very weird and it wasn't that cool exposed vent work that you'll see like in those you know restaurant rehab shows or whatever so that was very weird that was very different um the the walk to the stadium was torture Um, the walk to and from the stadium is about two miles and then you're walking another mile plus inside the stadium and if you're in the 400 level like i am you walked up a shit ton of stairs so that was not a lot of fun you know uh, food they had so many amazing food options i noticed that they had kind of like a value meal situation going on there so so I didn't want to spend more than $10, so you know I saw that they had a $3 hot dog, a $3 pretzel, and a $3 soda. And by the way, they have re- refillable sodas on the, on the concourse there, which is amazing. So you don't need to buy the super-duper cup for $12 and just have one big drink the whole event. You can get a little 16-ounce soda and refill it 10 times if you want, if you have the time and if you have the energy to want to do that. So I spent $9, I ate well, I I snuck in a pack of gum inside my wallet, so I was able to kind of just suffice my eating. Um, Although I really wanted to eat like a nice burger or a pizza or something over there, because I saw the restaurants and I was like, I really want to try that. Because some of the restaurants that are in there are some of my favorite restaurants in Vegas. But I was kind of cramped in with the whole, you know, stadium crowd there, so I didn't really want to leave. And we're right in the middle of SummerSlam situation, I see a tweet from Darren Revell, and um, this kind of opened my eyes as it was happening. And this was as of uh, August the 21st. He said, payment systems down, concession errors at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas at SummerSlam are now giving out hot food and drinks for free. And dude, I was freaking out and I was pissed off at the same time (laughs) because I didn't really know the whole scope of what was going on because the payment systems being down is it's stunning to me because here's the thing. You have a stadium that's brand new, something that was built and completed in 2020. 2020 is not the Wild West. You have fiber optic cables, you have high speed internet anywhere, you expect to have super duper high speed internet, even in the mountains. And that's just what I think of. And you expect these things to be there and be working. Whenever you know, whenever you're at a stadium, whenever you're at an event, that's part of the fan experience now, because they have to compete with people just wanting to go watch it on TV. That's that's just a fact of the matter. People don't want to go out anymore. They want to just hang out and watch it on TV and, you know, avoid the traffic, avoid the overcharges and all that stuff. Um, And I think it's really interesting the way that people um, are being catered to whenever an event like this is going on. But the the concessions um, stands being down must have been a several hundred thousand dollar, if not a million dollar um, fumble, no pun intended, because we're in a football stadium. Um, by the people who run Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. It was nothing to do with the WWE. It was nothing necessarily to do with the owners of the building. Um, I understood that the payment system, the vendor system for uh, Allegiant Stadium's cashless payment system crashed um, during the event, during the middle of SummerSlam, right in the middle of the matches. And it said that um, concession stands were unavailable to accept payment. Um, did all the merchandise stands and if you know anything about a WWE event um, the merchandise stands that's where they make most of their money in fact SummerSlam the event is secondary only to a freaking t-shirt sale or a poster sale or a, a magazine sale they want to sell those because they got you in the door at $20 they want to sell you that that overly priced t-shirt at $35 that cost them $3 to make that's how the wwe makes money merchandise is one of those things and i can tell you from my brother my brother's friend and even myself whenever i was wearing a lot more wrestling shirts that when you buy one wrestling shirt you buy like 20 of them so they they know that there's money to be had and the fact that they couldn't accept payment and nothing was going through was just amazing to me because this is something that you've been hyping up for months and you expect it to work especially in a new stadium this according to 8newsnow.com. It says fans left another event at Allegiant Stadium with horror stories as problems persist at the $2 billion facility. Allegiant Stadium's cashless payment system crashed during Saturday evening's SummerSlam event. Angry fans took to social media to complain. However, some said concession stands were handing out free water and soda in some cases. The people in front of me got a free Powerade, two free Powerades, a hot dog and fries, like a fancy hot dog. So they got about $20 worth of stuff for free because payments weren't being accepted. Um, And this was the stunning thing, what I found out on Twitter, and then it mentions it in this news story here. It says, a vendor manager at the stadium said the system outage was not solely at Allegiant. In fact, Petco Park, home of the San Diego Padres in Major League Baseball, experienced similar issues around the same time. And it said the issues were finally resolved around 9pm, just as the event was coming to a close. So come to find out that it was a payment failure nationwide a certain company and I'm not sure which company it is because I haven't been able to find out with Allegiant or San Diego's Petco Park had a failure had a system failure and it caused thousands of people to not be able to transact normally and yeah that's that's a small drop in the bucket okay there was 50,000 people at SummerSlam there was probably 40,000 people at the baseball game So ninety thousand people were impacted and yeah, there's three hundred and forty million people in this country, whatever. You know, there was you know, you know, instances of toilets overflowing and all this stuff over here. And I don't really care about that because that happens at stadiums. You know, you gotta figure that they look into those things, you know, spending two billion dollars, you're not cutting costs. But one of the things that I can tell you that I don't like about the cashlessness of of how society goes, because I was a salesperson uh, for merchant services at Bank of America, I know the the sales pressure that is put on those people because we had a centralized sales pressure person. And I'm not blaming Bank of America. I'm just saying my experience with um, people selling those merchant systems to hotels, to restaurants, or to whatever is, hey, you know, you want to, you know, make more money. Well, if you if you want to make more money. Have this awesome cashless payment system. Have this little machine which can print out a card, um, and people will leave that balance on there, and they may never use it again. So that's money in your pocket, and you'll be able to sell more stuff because people think about how much they're spending less whenever they they turn over a piece of plastic as opposed to cash. So I know the salesmanship of this, and whoever Allegiant Stadium is dealing with bank-wise, I know they got sold on that saying, hey, you know what, try to do it this way, cash is outdated, everyone's doing cards, everyone has payment options on their phone, so you don't have to worry about this, you don't have to worry about that. So that's all well and good, okay, and that's fine. I, I'm, I'm fine with that. You're, you're talking to a man who had exactly $0 in his pocket when he went to Vegas. I came back with $80, and that's because I took out $80 at the ATM and I gambled a little bit and I want everything back and I'm gonna put it back in my bank account and I'm not gonna have actual cash on hand. So I'm cashless, okay? I'm a cashless person and that's just the way that I roll and I'm fine with that. But I also, from my experience in living in small town New Mexico know that people A, don't trust cards or B, they don't even bank. They deal with cash. Cash is king. They don't write checks. Banks hate you when you write checks. They don't even do that. They wanna deal with cash and cash alone. You know, whenever you sell a car, they don't want a check. They don't want you to print out a cashier's check and give it to them. No, they don't want a paper trail. So hey, I cut five hundred dollars off the price if you give me cash. That's that's the way people think. But here's the thing, and here's my opinion on this whole situation that happened. And I didn't get to experience it, and I really wish I did. Just from the food aspect of it, because I would have had a bunch of free food, and I would I would have loved um, the system just screwing over the Raiders' stadium and benefiting yours truly at an event that I wanted to go to. And yeah, I'm, I'm one of those petty guys. I stole a commemorative cup from SummerSlam from someone who left it there. I rinsed it out. I filled it full of lemonade. And I walked down the Las Vegas Strip drinking a 32-ounce um, a cup of lemonade, for God's sakes. Um, it's all well and good to want to offer cashless options. But whenever you have the first fully cashless stadium... Where everything is digital, where you use debit cards, where you print out your own cards that fans can use, or you tell people to make payments by phone or whatever, you have to make sure that those systems work. And now here's my experience from B of A. Whenever they would um, try to upsell a lot of these restaurants, a lot of these hotels on these payment systems, um, and I was talking to one of the salespeople before, and they said that they um, did business with Amtrak. And I've been on an Amtrak train in the middle of nowhere, and I was still able to go down to the food cart and buy a bag of chips and a soda. And, you know, they slid the credit card through the machine. It took a little while because there was no direct phone line there, but there was still a method to actually make the payment. You know, it took a minute, but it was still able to go through, and I was able to get my food and drink. Because a lot of these credit card systems have this this fallback. They have this auxiliary power, if you will, You know, where, hey, if this first part fails, if the way that we do it, because most of these things connect through 4G, 3G, or whatever, uh, whenever you're doing the the cashless payment systems, everything's interconnected with the internet. When those things fail, typically you have a fallback, even if it's a normal, um, you know, non-digital landline, even if it's just literally a phone cord um, into the back of the machine. There's always a different method a fallback plan should something fail. But what happens is, whenever you outfit a stadium and you have a bank that wants to oversell you, and you have a, a you know a company, in this case the Oakland Raiders, who want to cut costs after spending two billion dollars on a stadium, and um, there have been reports that the you know the Raiders were one of the cheapest NFL teams, trying to cut costs at every at every step of the way, that I can see a conversation happening between their bank, and the Oakland Raiders and the people who run the stadium saying, hey, yeah. We won't take this particular payment system, the one that has the the triple no fail system where in case the 4G fails, we have the landline of, and if we don't have that, we have other ways of doing it. No, we'll 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 do the cheaper one because you know, we don't anticipate any problems to happen. I can tell you that, you know, from my experience, whenever something like that happens, whenever a payment system is down, Yes, you can blame the bank that's processing that. And like I said, I don't know who it is. But also blame the customers who try to go El Cheapo on that. When you spend $2 billion on a stadium, you should have a system in place to protect your your asset. Because you're losing money at the end of the day by not being able to accept payments for the things that you planned on offering in the stadium. And that's the thing that just really bugs me about it. Because I know... As a banker, you know, a bank was probably trying to upsell them, the top of the line, this and that. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to work, and that doesn't necessarily mean that was the case here at the Raiders' stadium on Saturday. But what did happen was the system failed, and there was no fallback options. I always talk about this whenever um, Bank of America, um, when I was at Bank of America, and we had um, a power outage. Not a power outage, but the Internet was down. So as tellers... You know in 2008 9 10 even whenever the internet was down we had a manual way of running transactions there was an offline mode you run a deposit you run a cash check there's additional steps you take yes it takes longer but you can still do it as to not impact your customers 2011 2012 and beyond i became a banker and i would open accounts bank of america would print out these manual account opening forms that way you can continue to open accounts in the event of a power outage. And then once you filled out all the paperwork on there and you took IDs and you took a check for opening deposit, then once the internet got back on, you were allowed to be excused to your office. You would manually punch all that stuff in and open the account without the customer in front of you. And even if there was an auditor the next day, you followed the process correctly. and like, oh, yeah, like the power went out. The internet went out and this person had to leave, but we did the process correctly here to protect that person's information and to get them to open an account the way we did per policy. And then towards the time I left Bank of America, 2018 was the last year I was there. The last couple of years, whenever the internet went out, we locked the doors. We didn't even let the customers stay in the building. We couldn't run a transaction. We couldn't even exchange a dollar for four quarters. Because the system would throw you off balance because at that point you were inputting your, your totals wrong, even if you did a simple exchange for four quarters for a dollar. And to open an account was impossible. They didn't have the manual forms anymore. They didn't allow us to open up offsite accounts anymore. So the policies weren't there anymore. So, as a salesperson, if the systems were down, I couldn't open an account and I still had to answer for not having accounts from my boss. James, why couldn't you do, do a better job? Well, get better fucking internet i don't know i mean it sucked it was just really really bad and and it always amazed me that a bank so, so advanced as they claim like bank of america would claim how tech savvy they are so much so that they call themselves a tech company on cnbc and all these places which i just laugh at all the time but literally if the internet went down they couldn't do a simple exchange cash for coin transaction without it being a big thing and a quote security risk and all this bullshit it's one thing to be risk averse but it's another thing to be just totally stupid when it comes to that i know the press release sounds sexy for the raider stadium and they said hey we're the first cashless stadium but cash is king in vegas and that's what always i always found weird about them announcing that hey we're cashless Inside the stadium, because right across the street's the Mandalay Bay, right across the street's the Luxor, right across the street's Excalibur. Those are huge hotels, four thousand rooms each. There's fifty thousand people in that little spot at any given time, and they're playing slot machines. Not with a cashless option. They're playing with twenties, fifties, hundreds. They they go to the ATM to get paper money. Paper money is king. You go to a strip club. Yes, there are ways of paying for lap dances with a credit card. I have done that before but strippers don't want that they want to be able to accept cash because even if they're just trying to sneak it by the house manager of the strip club at the same time they're like hey give me cash that way i can hide it i have a friend who's a manager of a strip club in odessa texas and he tells me that he says you know what this is how much the girls have to pay the house whenever they give dances and stuff like that and of course you can't fake those things you can't fake how much money you earned whenever everything is going through credit cards so they want tips bartenders they want you know whenever you you get a nice drink made at the casino bar there they like that'd be 750 for the beer you know you give them a 10 dollars bill and say keep the change that's better for them they have a little tip jar they they can count their money on, they can spend that money they can pay their bills immediately did it with servers did it with all those people so in this in this in a town like Las Vegas where literally it's the only time i touch paper money the majority of the time, as opposed to the rest of my time not in Vegas, I find it interesting that that was the biggest selling point of the stadium and the fact that this is the first non-musical event to happen at that stadium with fans and it totally shit the bed. It was ridiculous to me. Now, like I said, if, if Pitco Park in San Diego was going to the same thing at the same time, that tells me that it was some sort of nationwide outage. And like I said, we've talked about adages in Wells Fargo and Bank of America before on the podcast. We talk about how they'll deny stuff happened and they don't even apologize for the inconvenience. they got to look into why that happens because, you know, the first NFL game is coming up in a couple of weeks. There's a concert on Friday at Allegiant Stadium. Guns N' Roses is going to be there. And people are going to want to buy t-shirts, especially old 50-year-old rockers. They're going to want to buy a $15 beer. No thank you on the beer. I'm, you know, I was fine drinking lemonade. Um, yes, they, they're going to want to do that. They're going to want to spend money, and you're going to want to accept that money because you want to make money. And if you have options that just don't work for people, if you have options for, and I'm just saying, I'm not making a generalization on people, but. I'm going to say a good 10 to 20% of the people that are going to be at that Guns N' Roses concert are people that don't necessarily bank normal on a day-to-day basis. I'll say you know 10 to 20% of the American public doesn't bank the way that Bank of America, Wells Fargo, or Chase want them to. They like to deal in cash. They like to do money orders. They'll do the occasional cashier's check, um, but they don't want to be exclusively debit and credit cards. They don't want to be Zelle. They don't want to be Venmo. They want to deal in paper money because paper money is king to them. So, in my opinion, with all the news that was happening, with how crazy Twitter was going about what was going on in the stadium while I was sitting in the fucking stadium, mind you, I just found it interesting that this whole banking story was happening right in front of my face. I saw people benefiting from that because the you know concessionaires were going to have to dump the food because they couldn't sell it, so they're just giving away for free. And maybe that makes a, a wrong right. Maybe to those people who got free food, they're going to be like, Hey, that place was cool. They gave us free food because it messed up. We should go back again with the money that we saved. I mean, people think of stupid stuff like that sometimes, but it shouldn't be the case. The fact of the matter is one of the crown jewels of their press release for the stadium was a failure, a miserable failure. And I I can tell you about the parking, I can tell you about the walk and the toilets and all that stuff. That's not interesting to me because that's life. That's part of going to an event. But if you go to an event and you're being told that you can't make a purchase and if you're thirsty you can't have a drink that you pay for and that's the thing, they weren't selling alcohol, they weren't giving away alcohol for free so people couldn't buy beer, people couldn't buy um, mixed drinks or whatever and that's the the people that you don't want to piss off. If I'm going to an event and you're telling me I can't do that, then I'm really going to look down upon your process as a stupid process. But, you know, getting back to what I was saying about working in a bank and the salesmanship of these merchant bankers, and I know that there's merchant, you know, merchant bankers that want to make tons of money off these credit card payment systems and get their bonuses, their quarterly, weekly, monthly, yearly bonuses for overselling their customers and maximizing their profits for the company that they work for, that's all well and good. But you've got to take a look in the mirror at the same time and say, hey, is what I'm doing the right thing? Is what we're doing the right thing? Am I selling this product because the company I work for doesn't want to be in the business of the Oakland Raiders and Allegiant Stadium accepting cash because it's going to cost us money to accept their deposits, to accept the paper checks that they're writing? Or do we sell them on this new way of doing technology in 2020 that everything is paperless, everything is cashless, and that money is digital into your account? Except when it fails and you don't make any freaking money. So, I really hope that aside from the toilets overflowing and the parking issues and stuff like that, that Allegiant Stadium, Oakland Raiders, and the bank that runs all their transactions kind of take a look in the mirror and see how these things work. And maybe, just maybe, having a cashless option, having cashless only, should not be the only option there, that they should have an option to accept cash. I know it sucks, I know it's messy. I know with COVID, the spread of germs and all that, I understand and I respect that. But at the same time, whenever I saw that, you know, a year ago when this was going to be the first Cashless Stadium, I immediately thought, that's weird in Cash King Las Vegas. It didn't affect me, but the simple fact that Darren Ravel, someone who I follow on Twitter who has 2 million followers, had a conversation in the middle of SummerSlam while these amazing matches were going on about the credit card machines not working and a total nightmare that was happening inside this 72,000 seat capacity stadium. Pretty much tells you that banking, money, the way that we do things is still on full display and we are not quite there yet as a tech forward country. Because we still have weird issues like this. that don't seem to be happening anywhere else yes i went to a grocery store about six months ago and i had to leave a basket because i heard that they weren't accepting credit cards as well and that sucks that's a pain in the ass but that's a one-off that's just you know that that occasionally happens whenever your whole stadium is full of just one-off events it's not open from eight o'clock in the morning to 12 o'clock at night every day they're only going to have you know five to ten events that aren't football every year and then they're going to have the football games and that's it They have only those limited amount of times that it should work and it doesn't. Tells me something's wrong with the banking system. Tells me that something's wrong with the way that banks want to push cashlessness um, to the general public and to companies like that. Because at the end of the day, millions of dollars were lost by WWE, by the Legion Stadium concessionaires and everything. All because someone made a decision at their bank saying, nah, let's go for the cheaper option, or let's go to this bank because they have a better deal for us, not understanding the implications of what happened when it fails. I had a blast at SummerSlam. I was well fed. I was well nourished. But there were some people who weren't. And that blew up Twitter during the second biggest event of WWE. I'll be right back with my take on the OnlyFans situation right after this, so please stick around. Hey everyone, it's James Notorious Banker, inviting you to join me on TikTok. That's at NotoriousBanker Banker on TikTok. Yeah, I know it's kind of weird to have a thirty-eight year old on TikTok, but you know, I was so inspired by people who share couponing deals on there, home and car hacks, among other things. It's a very influential place to be right now, and you can get a lot of traction with a lot of people fast. And I really think my brand of humor, along with banking news and information and stories about unethical things going on in big banks, fits perfectly on TikTok. No, I won't be doing a lot of dancing, but what I will be doing is a lot of information giving to you, the general public, you know, the 67 million people who bank at Bank of America, the 30 million plus at Bank of Wells Fargo. You need to know the stories and you need to know the tea behind what's going on in the banking world. So if you join me on TikTok at Notorious Banker, I am going to blow your mind. I'm going to try to make you laugh as well, but I'm going to keep it informational and I'm going to keep it fun. So join me on TikTok today. That's at Notorious Banker. All right, and we're back with more notorious banker. So the biggest story that happened was actually on Thursday that that was in the banking world, and it was nothing to do with a specific bank in general. It's just banks as a whole, um, and it had to do with sexually explicit content and OnlyFans. Now I've been on record before as saying I'm pro OnlyFans because I really think that there's a place where people should be able to easily monetize their content whether it's nudity whether it's sexually explicit material whether it's them making doilies for God's sakes there should be a platform to where there's a proper payment system in place now I grew up in the mid 2000s when cell phones were finally starting to become cool picture phones were there and you know nudes and all this stuff was still going on and it's still a novel thing you know and was still all this My thing is there's always a way to monetize something and make it sexually explicit anytime there's a new technology going on. I've seen sexually explicit Nintendo games, for God's sakes, and, of course, Internet porn in the late 90s. Going forward, the invention of the VCR was buoyed by the adult film industry, DVDs as well. I mean, I've been to the adult conventions in Vegas where, holy crap, the amount of content that is generated and is brought to you Through all these portals, whether it's internet, DVD, or otherwise, it's just amazing to me. And it's a billions upon billions of dollars a year process. And I have known since I was so kind of intertwined with that industry, having some friends in that industry, knowing that accepting credit cards was always hard for them because the average bank didn't want to do business with a company that was in the business of selling pornography. And there were methods, there are companies, I could do a quick Google search right now for Credit card uh, processing companies that accept, um, you know, pornographic websites or video companies or whatever, um, and it's fine. But they charge a shit ton of money to process those payments, and frankly, that's why buying a, a pornographic DVD is so expensive. To be honest with you, not that people really get, get DVDs anymore, but there's still some people who do that. Um, but of course, you know, in this free age where it seems like everyone can have an audience. And there are some women and some men, for that matter, who want to take off their clothes in exchange for money, in exchange for a subscription service. And yours truly, The Notorious Banker, has a subscription service with Patreon. And although I do not show one um, centimeter of skin, I do offer a monthly you know, subscription. That way I can supplement my income. And people with any amount of following want to do that and whether you're taking your clothes off or not. And there's a couple of people that I follow on my Twitter um that have OnlyFans that have websites like that that they create content whether it's explicit or not and they're making a living out of it. I've seen how much they make cuz they talk about how successful they are. And we've talked to a couple of people Sierra in Tennessee about um OnlyFans last year and You know, she was laid off during the COVID 19 pandemic and she was making $1,200 a month in relative obscurity. Only a handful of people that wanted to subscribe to her services, and she was making more per month than I make per month. And I just thought that that was pretty amazing. But of course, somehow this money has to get through to people. And when you pay OnlyFans to see so and so's content, OnlyFans gets a cut. I believe it's 20 or 30%. And then they forward the rest to that person and it goes into their bank account. There's a banking process that happens with all that stuff in order for it to effectively work the way that it does. But Thursday, OnlyFans announced that they were no longer allowing explicit content on their website, which just blew everyone's mind because, frankly, the people who are on OnlyFans that I follow are on OnlyFans exclusively, so they're going to have to find a new home. And potentially lose a lot of their subscription base. Secondarily, talking to my wife about this, and yes, I do talk to my wife about these things because it's of interest to me, and it is a financial conversation, not one about pornography. The thing that she said was, I only think of pornography when I think of OnlyFans, you know, because OnlyFans is trying to say, well, we're going to allow content, we're going to allow artists and musicians and shit and that stuff doesn't fly. I mean, you're you're making yourself into a liar whenever you say that oh, only fans was made for this as well. I know of one non-sexually explicit person that I'm familiar with that offers content that's not explicit and that's a pro wrestler for God's sakes. But it's crazy and the first thing that I thought whenever I heard the van was a bank because banks don't want you to be in they don't want to be in the business of sexually explicit content. Strip clubs, whether it's you know, pornography or anything like that, anything that's considered a quote high risk activity. And mind you, banks consider restaurants high risk activity for God's sakes, and I'll get to that in a second. But I knew that it had to be financial, I knew it had to be banks. Um, turn to Yahoo News and People magazine. Um, As of about an hour ago, OnlyFans founder says banks are to blame for pornography ban. Quote, we had no choice. And I'm going to just read this verbatim here, and I'm going to give you my two cents. Days after OnlyFans announced its controversial decision to ban sexually explicit conduct from its site, founder Tim Stokely said the blame lands on banks. In an interview with Financial Times, Stokely said banks have refused to work with the company due to reputational risk. There's that fucking four-letter word again alluding to the many OnlyFans sellers OnlyFans users, excuse me, who sell explicit content on the subscription based platform. Quote The change in policy, we had no choice. The short answer is banks, the CEO said. OnlyFans has frequently run into issues due to financial institutions quote flagging and rejecting transactions, which ultimately led to their decision to move forward without X ray rated contact, he explained. The decision was made to safeguard our users' funds and subscriptions from increasingly unfair actions by banks and media companies. We obviously do not want to lose our most loyal creators. The policy change will go into effect on October 1st and will, quote, ensure the long-term sustainability of his platform. Yeah, October 1st, October 10th, they'll be out of business, OnlyFans said in a previous statement to People. They also confirm nudity will still be allowed as long as the content did not violate its acceptable use policy. And that's the thing, you know, what is pornography? And then, of course, that old adage when the Supreme Court Justice says, I know it when I see it. And that's the thing, like, everyone's interpretation of pornography is different. So what is their acceptable use policy? Who the fuck knows? Stokely says OnlyFans, based in the UK, pays its users over $300 million a month and is making sure that these funds get to creators involved using the banking sector. However, the platform would welcome back X-rated content if banks change their attitudes towards sex work, Stokely said. The reaction to the company's decision was heavily scrutinized by its creators and those on social media, with many pointing out that OnlyFans gained its influence because of the content. We made it a brand that people know and to go back on the people we built, it's pretty awful, an OnlyFans user and model Courtney Tildea told people. I fell in love with being liberated and being able to share myself in different ways. I started this for my own expression. I had no idea there was so much money to be made in it as there is. I could attest to that. I don't even do, you know, pornography. And the fact that people donate fifty, a hundred dollars at a time, just blows my mind. I'm like, fifty or hundred dollars is life changing amounts of money anytime people donate it, in my opinion to me. But the fact of the matter is this, okay, they, they are right. The the content creator at the end of that article was right in saying that OnlyFans made its mark by sexually explicit content. That was the joke. People know the brand based on that. You know what I mean? Like Band-Aid provides bandages for wounds, you know, so you can heal your wounds. But Band-Aid also provides gauze. They also provide other products that aren't just bandages. But Band Aid is the brand. OnlyFans, yes, they have you know places for people who are musicians, who are artists, or whatever, to be on there. Comedians, what have you, pro wrestlers. But at the end of the day, they're known for the one thing that they're known for, and thousands, if not millions, of people know it for a place to get sexually charged content. The problem with the problem with everything here is not OnlyFans itself making this decision to do that. They're trying to save themselves from folding as a company because they know it's getting harder and harder to just make money. To be frank with you, um, but they're they're doing it at the expense of all these people who, especially during COVID nineteen, found another way of making money to make ends meet. And I think that's the really interesting thing about it. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? Is is there you know is there a conversation to be had about well? If you're that good of a salesperson and you're trying to sell this content elsewhere, you should be able to be as successful as long as you push yourself, right? Well, yes and no, okay? OnlyFans is the brand name and OnlyFans is one of those things where everyone knows. But on the fly, within two months' notice, to be able to put all of your content on another website you know, and aggressively get all of your subscribers back, you're going to lose money. So creators are going to lose money just by default, just by you know having to switch over to something else and that's the sad thing there are people who are going to be financially impacted and I hated seeing social media especially on Facebook and people are laughing and people were commenting now it's time to get real jobs shit that is a real job I don't care what you think about the people who do that type of content about you know like you want to belittle them for not having acceptable work that shit is work you have to respond to messages you have to create specific things and specific you know photos and videos for people who pay you a lot of money say I want this exact thing and you can't skimp on the the quality of it otherwise you won't get that person again. It's about customer service, and I think there's a lot of people, especially who do that, and I've dabbled into subscribing to people from time to time, never spending more than $3 a month. I'm just, just curious to see how it all operates, and the salesmanship on there is top-notch, man. The salesmanship on there is beyond that of working at a bank because they work hard to get every little bit of money possible, and it's a dog-eat-dog world out there with millions of people gunning for the same $3, 5 $10 that you're gunning for. And I see people very successful with it. I have some people in my life that are doing it, that are making $2,000, $3,000 a month. Although I am not donating to their cause, I know that they are because I see how successful their content is on other social media, whether it be Twitter or whatever. People know how to hustle. People know how to do that. But, you know, you can blame banks 1,000% on this one because... The fact of the matter is this i worked at bank of america i did the training for high-risk businesses training when anytime a salesperson would become a salesperson you had to take all these trainings and they say these businesses are considered high risk and one of them was sexually explicit you know businesses and you know adult stores pornographic companies what have you cannabis companies is another big one and then restaurants was on there and i'm like why restaurants and I really think, in my opinion, and they wouldn't say it this way, but this is going to be my graphic detail as to why they consider it a high-risk business. I've seen people at restaurants, my family owns a restaurant, mind you, who they'll have a burger, they'll eat the fucking thing, they'll eat the whole burger. And then they'll go to my mom, who was a waitress and a manager at one point point time, and say, that burger was disgusting, that was the most, I'm not paying for that. I'm not paying for that, That's ridiculous, I'm never going to have this burger again. And they fucking ate the whole thing. And as a business owner, as a person who's in business, you just gotta, you gotta bite the bullet. You gotta bite the bullet and just comp that meal. And you're losing money at that point in time. Because if you insist that that person pays for that burger that they ate, guess what's going to happen? They're going to pay for their burger, they're going to go back home from their little trip, and they're going to call the bank saying, yes, this was fraudulent, and my mom's restaurant was going to lose that money for the burger plus they're going to get a chargeback fee from their bank so it's better to just write that wrong on the fly and just fix it as opposed to just getting into an argument like well you bought the content you know you bought the burger why did you eat it why did you complain about it after the fact we could have fixed it for you before you did anything like that but now i have to question you because you ate the whole thing what does this have to do with only fans well this is the reason why banks think that it's considered high risk and i god help me i'm going to be graphic here but i think whenever a person especially a man is is in the in the mood to to want to look at stuff like that they want to have a good afternoon i guess you could put it that way i know this sounds horrible but you, you want to you want to have a good time so you you buy that movie that you want or you buy that photo that you want or whatever you want to do you you set the you set the table so to speak. You're like, okay, I'm gonna spend money on this, and then I'm gonna get done when I need to get done, and then I'm gonna go about my day. I know this is horrible, right? This is like the worst part of the Notorious Banker podcast ever. You you take care of business so to speak, and then for some men, and I've never really experienced this myself, but I know this to be the case. They regret what they did at that point. And there are some people out there, and they're typically people of the religious persuasion, to be frank with you, or people who don't want their wife to know what they're doing or their girlfriend to know what they're doing. They'll fucking call in their card as stolen. I've dealt with customers like this before, saying, oh, I don't know what this charge is. And I would see these weird, like, authorizations on their debit card. And I would see, like, the, you know, because it's never, like, you know barely legal teens or whatever on, on your credit card it would have some payment processor it would say like you know vxprocessors.com and there would be times whenever I would see these it's like I didn't do this this is fraud this is ridiculous and I would have my cell phone with me because I didn't want to go to that website on my work computer and I would type in that's a fake that's a fake company by the way vxprocessors.com and it says the number one credit card processor for the adult industry in the entire U.S. And I knew that the person in front of me probably went on this crazy porn bridge, probably had a lot of fun for a day or two, and then they regretted how much they spent or they let their free trial lapse and they spent a shit ton of money they didn't want to spend. They didn't want to get called out for it, so they wanted to call it fraud. With you know OnlyFans, you can auto-renew subscriptions, you can put it on there, and it tells you that it's OnlyFans on there. You can't hide the fact that it isn't. So it's on there and you're going to be called out if you have a wife, girlfriend, or even if someone in your family sees that, they're going to know what you did and what how you spent your money. So the reason why banks consider it high risk just at the lower level is because they know that they're going to have customers who will never cop to admitting that they pay for such things and they will have chargebacks, they will have fraud disputes. In essence, banks will say, hey, that's creating more work for us and there's no financial interest in it for us because there's always going to be someone who's making us do research on a fraud claim that isn't fraud that's just them regretting that they were horny to be frank with you and that's just that's just what it is let's just call a spade a spade and that's what it is yes there's grander scheme things about yeah they don't want to lend money to business like that and i understand that i understand that part of it because i'll be frank with you um, banks don't like lending to businesses that are startups and new and are volatile like OnlyFans could be OnlyFans could be the most popular thing in the world and not the most popular thing in the world in a year and their valuation is going to be different a year from now but even at the lowest levels of quote high risk banking the fact of the matter is this they know that people dispute those charges they know that if someone didn't like food at a restaurant they're going to dispute the charges with their credit card company i've seen people do that at hotels where like Oh, it was loud. I've seen people, because I've written a book about uh, Vegas before, I've seen people complain about their rooms on Fremont Street, um, saying, yeah, it's ridiculous. There was music all night. There was people talking outside all night. I couldn't get to sleep. The lights were too bright. I closed the curtains, and I could still see the light. Fucker, you were in Las Vegas. There's 100,000 people on vacation at any given time over there. You're on Fremont Street, where they have five bands playing at all times, all hours of the night. And the lights, you're in Las Vegas, the curtains will not block all the light. You got to learn to live with it. But I've seen people dispute rooms refusing to pay for something that cannot be controlled unless everything was turned off specifically for that person. There are people like that out there, and those are people that just make customer service that much shittier from big banks because you know what happens? Customer service just fails because you don't want to have to deal with one of those assholes again. So I do blame the the consumers at that point in time for that as well but you will have people with you know spending money on OnlyFans it's like oh I want a customized video and I want this I want to purchase your clothing spend $300 and then all of a sudden wifey comes in and says hey who spent $350 at, over fan, only, at OnlyFans oh it was fraud that's ridiculous 350 I couldn't even imagine how you could spend $350 on OnlyFans that's why OnlyFans is pivoting towards Moving away from this content. It's the simple fact that banks are pressuring them to get rid of this. To get rid of the risk to be able to borrow money going forward. And maybe they think they could do something bigger and better with their brand name. Fact of the matter is that's not the case. You will, you will be forever branded as the pornography website. Because of what you have. And that's fine. I'm accepting of that. I am as most progressive thinking as most people are with stuff like this. But... Give me a break with this shit. Banks are to blame. I'm glad the OnlyFans founder said that. But at the same time, you've got to be the one to change the game. Someone's going to have to be there to challenge what's right and what's wrong in the banking industry. And this is something that is horribly wrong. Because, you know, I've said so much that um, big banks don't give a shit about the average customer. Well, here we are right now. We're talking about the average customer who is a consumer of pornography. And we're talking about the average customer who is a content creator. Who found a way to supplement their bank account to pay their bills through this little website where they're accepting money from people, you know, for a fee. They exchange naked pictures or videos or whatever. And all of a sudden, that's gone. And that person's going to have less money. And the bank is going to have less of a reason to give a shit about that person. And that person's going to be financially... Um, on shaky ground for a while especially if that's their only source of revenue which i have no criticism if that's their only source of revenue because there are some people who make fucking ten thousand dollars a month like nothing on there all of a sudden they have to redo and rethink everything that they do and it's all because of banks at least the only fans founder was straight up with yahoo news people magazine the new york post and all and any entity that interviewed him Because, you know what, some banks refuse to work and it's not like a churchy thing. It's a, we don't want to have to deal with the whole other part of it where we have to refund our customers. We have to charge you money for chargebacks. We have to have all this paperwork because of all these fraud claims. All these questions about content that you have. Is this legal? Is this not legal? We'd rather not do business with you because there are so many questions that we have just on a normal day-to-day basis, much less all the extra stuff we have to do. And that's frankly sad, because all of a sudden, like I've said before with big banks, they're dictating the way that you do business. Well, guess what? Big banks, as of October 1st, are now dictating the way that you get off. And that's ridiculous, my friends. And to use a, a title of my old podcast to close it out, that's just another reason why your bank sucks. My name is James Baca, also known as Notorious Banker. You can find me on Twitter at BankBetterGuy, at NotoriousBanker on TikTok. Email James at TheNotoriousBanker.com or TheNotoriousBanker at gmail.com. 575-322-4127 is the voicemail line. You can find me on Twitter and TikTok constantly. I respond to any and all DMs. I appreciate a subscription to Patreon, Patreon.com slash NotoriousBanker. I will not get nude for you, before as little as a $1 subscription... You can help me fight back against big banks. Guys, thank you so much for all the love and support that you've shown me throughout the last three years. Thank you so much for all the good wishes whenever I was in Vegas last week and telling me, hey, take a day off. You deserve it. And I made a whole podcast about everything that happened since then. So my friends, thanks again for all your love and support. I will talk to you very soon. You have a great day.